from Regurgitator. Stay tuned to 3CR, support community radio and your local music scene and subscribe now. Welcome to the Renegade Economist with your host Carl Fitzgerald talking about uh, a more realistic economic system that uh, challenges the first-come, first-served nature of today's economy where those who happen to uh, come across some land, whether uh, that's through uh, acts of aggression or uh, the lotto of birth, the advantages enjoyed uh, from that point onward should uh, not determine uh, the the outcome to our economic future, we believe. It should be more closely based on our skill, on our productive activity and, and contribution to the community. Unfortunately, our tax system does everything to ignore this, to turn it on its head. And today, the Victorian state budget was announced and uh, as has been foreshadowed over the, the last week, there was an increase in uh, uh, the populist move, an increase in uh, uh, land taxes on foreign investors. Yes, increase in land tax on foreign investors from 0.5% to 1.5%. And they also slugged them with a 7% uh, stamp duty surcharge. So uh, quite a significant penalty for uh, investing in uh, Victorian real estate, which uh, on one hand we certainly support, uh, but uh, on, a, on another front it's uh, a little bit distracting because he, the, the discriminatory nature of it makes people feel that that's what land taxes are about. And really we're trying to enact a holistic reform where every generation is on the same foot, every nationality is on the same foot, uh, every Productive industry is on the same foot and there are no natural advantages to those who have the year of government to uh, engender uh, license monopolies such as the Port of Melbourne uh, or locational monopolies as in uh, owning number one Collins Street. So uh, let's go to today's interview with some familiar guests. Today we're discussing the 2016-17 Victorian budget. Can you believe it? Almost 2017. And we're joined by Prosper Australia Policy Director David Collier and our intern Jesse Herman. So uh, we've spent the last few hours pouring through the, the five budget documents trying to uh, pick up the overriding trends and I think uh, the opposition leader Matthew Guy summed it up pretty nicely when he said that uh, the the state government has in effect uh, uh, one tats lotto with the incredible power of the property market delivering them a billion dollars more than they're expecting this time last year. It's stamp duty. And, and, and look, uh, Carl, the stamp duty question is it's such a volatile revenue source. It goes up and down, up and down. All, all it would take is a slight downturn in, in volumes, uh, sales volumes, and that stamp duty, those projections, uh, will be all over the place. Look, I've, I've seen projections over the years. They never line up with stamp duty because the, the outcomes are always wildly, wildly different to what, uh, what the, what's been projected. So I, I wouldn't trust them for stamp duty for a, for a surplus. I think that's, that's you know, uh, um, asking for trouble. Uh, it, it is such an unreliable income source. 
Yes, well, they're claiming they're going to have $2.9 billion surplus uh, with the, the large expenditure and I suppose a couple of the big ticket items. Uh, the surprising one was that the Metro Rail Loop is going to be solely funded out of uh, uh, largely this property bubble um, over the coming years. They're going it alone, us Victorians. We don't need the Commonwealth to help us. So that was a big big political statement. Uh, one of the other ones was uh, one of the largest uh, school building programs um, in uh, the state's history, I think $1.1 billion. Good to see my kids' school, Dingera Primary in uh, Braybrook, finally getting uh, at least some planning money. I'm not sure whether there'll be any new build out of that money, but uh, uh, they are spending up pretty big in this budget, and that's what's of interest to me as the mining boom subsides. We've been wondering uh, how the, this great Australian economic miracle is going to continue and it seems like some good old Keynesian pump priming is going to drive things forward. Uh, it's a lot of money to be spending on this metro rail loop. Uh, there's also the Western Distributor that's going to have quite, uh, uh, I think, a couple of billion dollars spent there. So uh, all in all, a pretty big budget. But uh, Jesse Hermans, uh, you had some interesting comments yourself on what you were you were reading into the detail. Uh, the interesting revenue measures in the budget uh, that have changed. Well, aside from the, uh, the the additional levies on foreign property owners in both stamp duty and uh, land tax, uh, there was also some additional brown coal royalties. So in general, we're seeing a sort of a small move towards taxing land and resources and in the process giving a small payroll tax uh, threshold increase cut, uh, among other things. So I guess in some ways that is a small positive. Mm, so it is is moving uh, slightly in our direction. And David, what do you think of these new uh, hikes on foreign investors in real estate? It's very very interesting. The the uh, what the what the state budget has done is is impose a surcharge on foreign landowners on stamp duty of seven percent and upon their land tax of of one point five percent. If you're a foreign national residing overseas and aren't using the land, then you'll pay the top rate on both of those. That means that that a foreign uh, land buyer in Australia, in Victoria, uh, faces a search, uh, including the surcharge and the stamp duty together, with, is a combined stamp duty of 13%, which is actually quite a lot of money, uh, uh, significantly higher than what we, we pay. Uh, plus the annual land tax. Um, uh, if they were, if they were, had enough land, if a foreigner had enough land in in, in Victoria to be over the, to be at the top limit of the, the 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 top to put themselves into the top scale of over three million dollars worth of land. Um, with a surcharge, they'd be effectively paying 3.75% land tax. Now, we generally, rule of thumb, recognise that the, the economic rents that derive from land are about 5% of land's value, roughly speaking. So with a land tax, uh, including this foreign, foreign uh, uh, levy surcharge, uh, land tax including that at 3.75 is pretty well capturing almost all of the, of the land rents, which I think is fantastic. So Jesse, you're at Melbourne University. How many international students who uh, may well be getting permanent residency uh, do you think will be rubbing their hands together going, wow, I'm going to have a massive property investment portfolio thanks to these new changes. All of my family's network will be channeling their money through me because I'll be able to help them avoid this 3.75% uh, land tax. 
Oh, so it's quite possible, in fact, probably very likely, considering, I mean, I, I can't really, I mean, antidotal, uh, antidotal evidence. Uh, I have a lot of uh, international students in my economic, microeconomics class alone. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if foreign buyers would just send uh, their students to Australia uh, and then in the, uh, as a sort of a side thing, oh, we'll just sign the properties in your name and since you're a permanent resident here, then you won't have to pay those surcharges because you're not an absentee landowner for uh, residency purposes because you reside in Australia. And it's one of the dangers of what Daniel Andrews and Tim Pellis have done is that they've they've evoked this sort of populist notion that it's all right to tax foreigners to the hilt and in a way uh, brought about a, a discriminatory uh, focus of, of the, the land tax possibility rather than what we'd like to see, that uh, it's something that, that supports all of society that uh, can help in so many different areas rather than just demonising foreigners. Yeah, that's the thing that sort of annoys me when it comes down to it is that because uh, Australians, oh, it's, I'm, I'm, it's not it's sort of more more now, but uh, it's always sort of been there. We tend to view, oh, well, it's okay if we slug the foreign landowners, but uh, heaven forbid if we tax an Australian landowner, an Aussie battler who owns a property or something, that would be just uh, too radical and. Um, well, not too radical, it would be outrageous. But it, what it essentially does is it uh, licenses domestic citizens to become land barons and turn their own fellow citizens into serfs while saying, oh, no, we don't let foreigners have that privilege. Only, only domestic citizens have the privilege of uh, turning their other citizens into serfs. Foreigners, no, but, but it's okay for, for other Australians to do that. It's an interesting conundrum it really really is that the reality is that a foreign landowner deriving land rents in Australia but but resident overseas is not going to spend that money here in Australia and let me give you a very practical example of what can go wrong with this in Ireland uh, during the troubles uh, uh, middle of middle of 1800s they were exporting food they were exporting money continually all the way through that that great famine they had there uh, the, the problem was that the, the land was quite productive but but the the rents were being exported to, to and, and spent in London. That is, there's none of the none of the rents were being expended back onto onto the same piece of land. They were being exported. Now, this is one of the problems with foreign landowners is they will expect to spend their rents in London, Hong Kong, or, or New York, not here in Australia. And I, I want to discourage such behaviour. I want to bias the system so that the, the owners of the land in Australia are Australians and will spend their their money in Australia. Yes, well, uh, that's all important and I can see that the Property Council of Victoria of Australia is going to be uh, sharpening their pencils on a press release as we're recording right now because uh, the budget papers reveal that land tax revenues is forecast to increase in 16-17 by 28.3%, largely as a result of the biennial land revaluation which is currently underway. So uh, that's something that happens every couple of years and what they're saying is that uh, uh, land values have increased by 28.3% over the last couple of years. Uh, wow, that's a bit rough, really, uh, me talking that way. But uh, uh, 
for all, all uh, sense and purposes, you could um, take that line. But of importance uh, to us here on 3CR's Renegade Economist is that in the 14-15 uh, financial year, the increase in Victorian land values was $133.7 billion. Now, the land tax collected was just $1.7 billion, which is 1.3% of the, this rise in, in land values, which, uh, as, as many of you will know by now, uh, should be uh, termed economic rents. And uh, it's this fact that we're collecting so little of these um, of this natural increase in, in locational value that's putting so much pressure on uh, health and education budgets and so forth. And this is the big power play that's happening between the feds and the state is that uh, uh, in terms of the state budget for this upcoming year, uh, the, the largest source of revenue is from Commonwealth grants. That includes uh, GST revenue, our share of income taxes and so forth. But that's 45% of budget revenue uh, versus uh, the total tax take in Victoria, which is only 36% of revenue. So that's the pressure point that Turnbull and co are trying to put on uh, state governments. And here, Tim Pallas has had this great opportunity. What has he done? We have a very dysfunctional federal system in that in that the federal government collects most of the taxes and the states spend a lot of the money. And, and you and I cannot hold, as voters, we cannot hold government, federal or state, to account because neither of them is responsible for both their revenues and their expenditures. And there's something that's got to change. It's something that the Liberals have been on and on about uh, uh, forever and it's something that the Labor Party chooses to ignore. But it's there. We, can't, we voters can't hold government to account and I think that's a very, very wrong thing. What kind of a democracy are we if we can't, if we can't oblige government to change its ways when we require it? You're on 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host Carl Fitzgerald this week with uh, Prosper Australia Policy Director David Collier and Jesse Hermans and we're discussing uh, the Victorian state budget was released uh, just some two and a half hours ago uh, as of uh, this recording and very interesting to see that uh, the power of Victorian stamp duties uh, are really going to fund uh, the majority of the Metro uh, Rail Tunnel project. And this is something we've been watching for quite a while. And uh, whilst uh, at the federal level, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has been very vocal about this uh, uh, important concept of land value capture that we champion here on the Renegades. Uh, that, that term is pretty well being wiped from the budget papers. Uh, they're not using that much anymore. Uh, but uh, uh, it was pretty sad to see that uh, whilst we can use stamp duties to fund this metro rail tunnel, a value capture is still being investigated. They're not actually going to put pen to paper and collect any revenue on uh, through this, uh, all, all these infrastructure projects we're creating. I'm amused by them saying they're going to use the stamp duty revenues for, for infrastructure works. Um, what we're seeing there is a, a, an hypothecation. That is, we're saying here is a particular revenue source, it doesn't really matter, matter what it is, being used for this particular purpose. Now, Everybody's got to understand this is not how government works. It considers its revenue sources quite apart from its expenditure placements. These, these things are not 
linked to one another. If it, um, governments like to say things like, oh, we're, 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 the, the purpose of a petrol tax is to fund road construction. Well, it isn't. Uh, the linkage isn't there. The purpose of, the purpose of, of um, tobacco taxes is to fund health initiatives uh, among, among, non among smokers and non-smokers. Um, that's not true either. These, these hypothecations are, are, are a fiction. And we actually need to start contesting the politicians' use of this idea that we're, we're earmarking this tax for that purpose. It doesn't, it's not true. Yes, so uh, th there's some half a billion dollars to build the, the Moonda rail extension. Uh, you just wonder how expensive uh, things can be. $588 million to build a single train station and uh, probably five or six kilometres of, of track. It's uh, just immense, the amount of money that uh, John Holland and some of these big construction companies are charging the state these days. And I'd love to see some due diligence uh, on uh, some of these uh, $100 million train stations themselves uh, that have poorly operating lifts and take five minutes to walk from uh, uh, your car to, to the train uh, because of the size of them. So uh, uh, th there's a lot of concern on that front. Um, but uh, just to think back uh, on, on this, this power of uh, uh, stamp duties, uh, uh, if we added the stamp duties to the land taxes uh, for last year, um, stamp duty brought in uh, just over $6 billion, land tax $1.7 That's only 5.8% of the windfall. So what we're talking about is uh, imagining if, uh, if we increase that tax take, so instead of property owners enjoying $133 billion last year, and the fact that all Victorian uh, revenues uh, are around about $22 billion, uh, if we could increase land taxes so that we captured, uh, uh, you know, 20% of that $133 billion, uh, there would be plenty of money there to get rid of payroll taxes, to get rid of all of these damaging taxes uh, that, that hurt small business and hurt our ability to move near where we work. So, David Collier, what do you say? Uh, uh, here we have this great opportunity for reform at the moment, and uh, uh, the Victorian government picked this uh, very plottable title for their budget, Getting It Done, was the theme. Getting It Done. What sort of vision does that uh, provide us? It's a, it's a diligent government we've got there. They're, they're determined to do it piece by piece. They're going to do all the work for us. Getting it done, well, it's, it's hardly hardly inspiring, but it, it is workmanlike. I think we can give them that. And I think uh, that workmanlike concept is, is something that, that, that they're trying to advertise. They're trying to be a low-profile state government, so they're not, they're not actually making any waves. They're, not, they're, they're not, not frightening anybody with their initiatives. Everything uh, has to be reasonable, um, self-contained and, and, and logical. Uh, they're being a, they're, they've got a very narrow grasp on power. Um, they've got a very modest majority the House of uh, Assembly here in Victoria, uh, and and I I think they're too too afraid to do anything, too, too afraid to put that at risk, uh, and and political prudence dictates. So that's what it is, right? Okay. Uh, what about you're talking about this working culture here? Uh, what about uh, some of the sneaky handouts that we've detected so far? And uh, your favourite topic uh, in Globo, it seems like land that's uh, uh, within the urban growth zone but outside of precinct structure plans has uh, a new and improved loophole that's been introduced as a handout to the 0.01 percenters. 
Oh, yes, this makes me so, so angry. Uh, um, we actually need, we actually need a, a vast increase in land supply. That is, we need a lot more lots on the outskirts of Melbourne to be made available for people to, to, to build houses, just simply to, to keep the price of land down. Uh, at the moment, they're all, they're all caught up in precinct structure plans and within the urban growth boundary. But the, the real, real problem is that the landowners can afford to sit on it, that they, they are exempt from land tax. Anybody who owns land uh, within the urban growth boundary that is not yet been subdivided is deemed to be a primary producer. Now, now the, the land may have nothing to do with prime production, may have nothing to do with prime production in its entire existence, but it, it, it is under Matthew Guy's amendments to the, to the Land Tax Act. Matthew Guy did it. Um, uh, the exact means, whether it was regulation or, or, or legislative change, I can't recall. To now extend it, this, this, this new Labor government is now extending uh, Matthew Guy's uh, Englobo exemption to anybody who, who owns land in the urban growth boundary uh, who keeps that land in, in a self-managed superannuation fund. Uh, they're, they're now also exempt from state land tax. It's, it's an outrage. I mean, we need to drive this land into production. We need to drive this land into use. And the main tool, the key instrument for doing so is land tax. And so superannuation funds and family trusts, or is it... Yeah, the language they used was family superannuation trust. So, so you could mix and match your mix and match match your language there. I don't know that it would include family trusts or whether. See, at the moment, trusts are, are, are pay land tax at the highest rate uh, to discourage people from holding land within within trusts. Uh, so, so that which I think is a fine idea. I have no problems with with um, somebody wanting to hold land in a trust if they're paying two point two percent land tax. That's fine by me. You can go ahead, but. This, this, extens this extension of, of this concession to self-managed superannuation funds, I think, is a, a very retrograde step. You know, it's not going to help, help supp the supply of land one iota. In fact, it's going to hinder it. So increasing the taxes on, on foreign land bankers, but uh, reducing them for the inner circle here in Melbourne. Um, uh, Jesse Hermans, uh, the Port of Melbourne sale has been another big ticket uh, item for the government. Uh, there's there's uh, quite a lot relying on that in terms of the funding of level crossing removals. Uh, We've been trying to dig into the details there. Have you, you found much uh, that you can reveal to the listeners on, on what's going on with uh, this uh, asset recycling initiative, uh, the new buzzword for uh, uh, privatising the last of the crown jewels in terms of public assets? Yeah, well, unfortunately, they don't make it very transparent at all. It's very difficult to actually pick out where... The, the money is actually cut like where where do they actually put the money in their accounting to say oh we've received this money from the lease and we're, we've now counted it as revenue because it's not in the um, operational revenues of where they usually put all the tax re uh, receipts and um, other income sources and grants and all that sort of thing so they don't, they don't count it in there um, so I, I'm still yet to try and figure out where they've put it uh, it's quite possible that um, in the asset sale, somehow they've done it in their uh, asset side of the balance sheet. So they've said, oh, we've, we've leased off this asset so it's no longer on the books or something. And now the, the, the lease has now uh, converted the equity to cash or something. But I, I honestly haven't found it. But the problem with this is it's not transparent. So it's very difficult to work out exactly how much they've gathered so far from the lease. Maybe it hasn't been finalised. Uh, but I guess the biggest problem with this is um, more the principle behind it is it really is just an outsourcing of taxation to uh, private rent seekers because the government itself is uh, too scared to uh, to use its uh, 
um, borrowing capacity at lower interest rates than private firms and then back that up with uh, efficient land taxes, uh, which would be a form of value capture. Uh, so it, instead, it, it just outsources its um, its dirty work of raising taxes to private industry. Although the first 15 years will be um, tariffs uh, indexed to CPI, so we won't have to worry anything about that. For the next 35 years, it will be rent seekers galore, and they'll be just out of gorge on uh, people coming into the port to use those facilities, which means uh, a lot more transactional costs for those people who like to buy stuff online and import things. Because if it comes through the port, it's got to go through the port of Melbourne, or at least for us, and that means we're going to have to pay higher tariffs eventually. And that is Jesse Hermans and David Collier joining me for today's Victorian state budget analysis, where we heard that uh, there will be an increased land tax on foreign investors, uh, increased stamp duties there as well, but a decrease uh, in land taxes for local uh, investors using superannuation family trusts. So uh, we're not quite sure uh, the exact detail on that, but we'll be digging into it to find out uh, what how many million dollars that will be costing us uh, where the, the insiders earn this easy, easy money. And uh, uh, very interesting that I think on Friday um, the Victorian government uh, uh, broached this topic of increasing land taxes on foreigners. And uh, by Monday, the New Zealand Prime Minister John Key was talking about it, uh, land taxing foreigners uh, as well because the Auckland uh, uh, property prices have skyrocketed uh, so rapidly. It's uh, it's more unaffordable there than Sydney, uh, is uh, according to the latest data, I'm told. So uh, the c- global commodification of real estate continues. Uh, our homes have become tax havens. They, uh, The wealthy hide behind the fact that uh, the poor uh, teary widow will be affected by any land taxes. Uh, that means someone who's uh, asset rich, income poor. Uh, those in their working ages are expected to suck it up and drive for 50 minutes plus each way to work uh, with untold uh, exasperation during that commute. Uh, That's just too bad. It's first come, first serve. Well, it's not the sort of wise thinking I'd like to see. And uh, whilst we don't like uh, this uh, focus on foreign uh, investment taxation, it's interesting that uh, the Quran, uh, the the Islamic uh, Bible, the Quran talked about this very uh, principle uh, using a term called the Quraysh, the Quraysh. So uh, uh, thanks to Muhammad, who years ago used to run the uh, Islamic show uh, before the Renegades here on 3CR, and he gave me an Islamic economics uh, textbook uh, one day, and a very interesting reading. But uh, yeah, more commentary uh, last week, uh, talking for the second week in a row about this land tax for stamp duty uh, uh, agenda. Uh, We had Michael Pascoe on a couple of weeks ago and uh, some comments on our Prosper website have led me to dig in deeper onto the KPMG modelling. And I'm going to have some some really interesting findings for you next week on the radio show because uh, uh, some of these economic models need critiquing and it's quite extraordinary what's going on there. So let's see if we can reduce some of the scaremongering behind this sticker shock uh, behind land tax uh, implementation. And uh, yeah, last night, goodness me, have a listen to this. Uh, Our Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, he's just digging such a hole for himself. Have a listen. 
to the 7.30 report. On housing affordability, on the weekend <coughs> when you announced that you wouldn't change negative gearing, you were there with a, with a family with a young baby. The subtext of what you were saying was that okay, sure, maybe you can't afford to buy your own house to live in, but here's what you can aspire to. You can keep living with mum and dad and buy an investment property and maybe one day your children might be able to afford to buy a property of their own. Is that the sort of country that you see Australia becoming? Australia is a country where people should be able to exercise their economic freedom and invest where they wish. Economic freedom and investing where they wish. Well, the issue with that is that if there are tax incentives giving them an advantage over people wanting uh, one of the fundamental human rights to a roof over our head, then that is not the sort of fair go society we live in. And uh, more and more uh, these self-centred trends uh, keep coming through from the Liberals. And here we've just heard in Melbourne uh, the Labor Party aren't that much better. We really need to have a good look at ourselves and uh, reorientate our economic system.